0: This is On and Off Your Mat podcast, episode 26, Kundalini Yoga and the Radiant Body. My name is Erica, and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Kia Miller. Kia is an internationally renowned yoga teacher and probably one of the most well-known Kundalini teachers in the West. She teaches workshops, retreats, and several 200- and 300-hour teacher training every year. She eventually created radiant body yoga by pulling from multiple yogic disciplines. Rooted in tantric traditions, it mixes vinyasa flow and kundalini with the power of prayer, mantra, and meditation in a holistic approach to yoga. Today, we sat down to talk about that unique and powerful style. As always, I really appreciate your support. So, as you leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter a giveaway. Once more, Athleta is generously supporting this podcast in their effort to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up, and is giving out a $75 shop card. So if you want to know more about the giveaway, stay tuned. I'll give more details at the end of the show, and I'll announce the winner of our last one. On that note, take a listen. I'm convinced you'll feel inspired. Hi, Kia. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: I'm so thrilled to join you.
0: I first discovered Kia on Glow, Yoga Glow back in the day, and practiced there with her. I really connected with her and felt her presence, her energy, and her groundedness even through the screen. Coincidentally, I've been wanting to go to India for a long time, so when I saw that you were offering a 100-hour training on kundalini and radiant body in India, it was the perfect combination for me to dive deeper into my practice and to connect with you in person. And we just came back a couple weeks ago from that life changing immersive training, so I wanted to sit down with you so we can talk about it. Does that sound good?
1: Sounds wonderful.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Yes. Before we dig in our subject of today, for people that don't know you very well, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your own yoga journey?
1: Well, yes. Uh, Firstly, I would say I'm a student of yoga. Uh, I have the great blessing that I get to teach what I love, which Mm. is yoga. Um, My own journey began when I was 15. Uh, I started with a Raquel Welsh book on beauty, (laughs) because she was one of the babes when I was a teenager that everyone looked up to, Mm -hmm. and uh, I remember thinking, well, if it's good enough for Raquel, it's good enough for me, (laughs) and uh, that was my intro to yoga, and then I really dove into like a studio-based practice when I was about uh, 18. And I've been practicing ever since, mm-hmm. and just getting deeper and deeper in the journey, and wider in the journey too. If that makes sense, what what began as a practice on the mat very soon um, became uh, an entire practice of life, a way to to live life and to create. Um, a state of unified consciousness and awareness you know in in every waking moment so sort so it's been a big journey mm-hmm. and continues to be
0: mm-hmm. can you give a little bit of an overview of what the training was i uh, will go a bit more into the details of different pieces but what it is and what was the goal
1: yeah, well, uh, the, the goal of this particular 10 days um, was that it was a sadhana immersion, meaning it's a practice immersion so that through, um, yes, through lectures to, to give some of the broader concepts, but more precisely that through practice, people could begin to have more of a direct experience of expanded states of awareness um, that happen when you do, uh, Kriya practice, when you do strong pranayam, when you do chanting, and when you do this kind of practice, um, consistently over a number of days, you know, multiple times a day, mm-hmm. uh, what was interesting to me was to give people that experience so that by the time they leave the training, they're, their energy has literally been transformed. Um, And depending on how receptive or how ready they are, then also a lot of of emotional um, little stagnant pockets have been released. Mm -hmm. Um, People maybe had an opportunity to have an experience within a practice that could inspire them to go deeper once they get home. So this was really the idea for me, get people together in a practice immersion in an intense enough way that people will transform on a number of levels. They'll meet levels of resistance that they have within themselves, like mm-hmm. areas that they're wanting to break through to access more power, more vitality, etc. I wanted people to shift on an energetic Levels so that their frequency actually shifts, so they start to operate from a different space and become more magnetic, more radiant in that space. And then also coming together in group practice is very powerful um, when we want to create massive, like exponential shifts in our growth, because the group energy serves as this like magnifier to our own practice and enables us to 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 go to go deeper faster so -hmm. that's sort of a broad stroke of my intention with this immersive Mm -hmm. module well i think
0: that was successful (laughs) oh yay (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned a few different things um kriya prayanama mantra the um, Training itself was called Kundalini and radiant body. So, can you go over what is Kundalini outside of just another brand of yoga, and how is it different than any other yoga practice?
1: Yeah, well, the purpose of all yoga is to raise Kundalini. Um, Kundalini is often depicted in the ancient yogic texts as a snake coiled three and a half times at the base of the spine. Um, those uh, three and a half coils represent our capacity, each and every one of us, to transcend all the different layers of conditioning that we may be held in um, from our beliefs, from the circumstances of our life, from our cultures, etc., etc. And so ultimately what Kundalini is, is it's the energy of our, of our pure potential, it's it's so the practices of Kundalini yoga are about awakening us to uh, deeper levels of energy and power and potential, so that we live extraordinary lives, so that we don't get caught in the surface reality and identification with objects and things outside of ourselves, but that we recognize ourselves as as a as a intelligent, uh, beautiful, creative force, and start to use that creative force within us to to create change not only in our own lives but uh, in the lives of those around us and and the world at large. That really, as we do these practices, we can start to um, evolve ourselves. I feel like in in the heart of all hearts. There is this recognition that there's a space and place that humanity has not yet accessed, that we're all capable of. We're all capable of being um, extremely loving, compassionate, caring, wise, um, and creative. And yet many of us get stuck in fear or self-doubt or betrayal or trauma and we don't live to that ultimate potential the goal of these yogic practices is to help us to access this higher potential so that we can as i as i said before but we can be extraordinary and we can live these higher values that in our heart of hearts um, we all share mm, that's
0: beautiful What's particular about the practice? How does it look if people have never been and they don't really know what we're talking about?
1: So there's many ways to practice kundalini yoga, Um, different lineages within uh, India shared it in different ways, but there's core techniques that are familiar to all of them. And the really basic core idea is to, to stoke the fire within, to, 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 to move, to enliven energy, to move it and stabilize it where we want it. In the style of kundalini yoga that I primarily um, practice and teach, we do this through a series of um, what we call a kriya, a series of postures, breath techniques, sounds, mantra, all put together. And each kriya is a specific sequence that has a specific effect. And so when somebody comes into a class, they will begin with a a mantra, an invocation, if you like, to that higher reality within us, Mm -hmm. and then do a warm-up into one of these kriyas, which creates quite a dramatic um, energetic shift. And depending on your sensitivity to energy, you really feel it or feel it maybe a little. You might just feel better or you might feel profoundly different. Mm. Um, and then there's, uh, usually a meditative sequence at the end. And when we say meditation in this context, it's, it's a, it's a focus and concentration exercise that helps us to release, um, from our kind of surface mind and penetrate into a, a, a deeper space. Um, so very calming for the mind, very, um, uh, peace-invoking, peace ultimately. And uh, and then, you know, uh, uh, a rest and um, end of class. So that's kind of what people can expect.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of misconceptions, or I know the first time I saw a Kundalini class, I was like, oh, I don't think that's for me. But over time, I discovered that it was way more than what it might look from the outside. So... Can we look at some of these misconceptions and maybe just talk about them to encourage people to come and try anyway?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, for one, it doesn't look like regular yoga. When I say regular yoga, I mean like Like the the more Mm -hmm. accepted like vinyasa flow. Um, It doesn't look like that because rather than the focus being on, on the physical body, the focus is on our energy. Uh And moving our energy in order to shift our state of mind in a pretty profound way. And so the practice just doesn't look the same. I think the best thing is to understand what you're going to get from it. Mm. Um, And if you go to a really uh, balanced class, you'll get a good solid warm up um, where you do move your whole body. So if you've been sitting all day, it's great. You get to shift Mm -hmm. that. Um, and then you would do one of these kriyas, which would uh, enable you to, to shift a lot of the stagnation emotionally and mentally. Um, so know when you go to a Kundalini class, what you're going for, you're going to shift your energy. You're going to make yourself more magnetic, um, give yourself a lift energetically but if you're going for a workout, it's not going to be the class for you necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the big misconceptions. I know when I first went to my to a Kundalini yoga class, I left and I was like, well, now I have to go work out. Like mm-hmm. that didn't do it because I was used to Ashtanga. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn, well, if I'm going to that class, it's not because I'm going to get flat abs and I'm going to become the extraordinarily, you know strong chaturanga arms or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I am going to start to shift myself energetically. I am going to start to change the frequency I vibrate at so that I start to attract different opportunities in my life so I can start to refine the way I'm living and the things that I'm engaging in. So if you think of it from that perspective versus just the physical tuning that we may get in a vinyasa class. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for people who are not used to moving a lot of energy, that can get a little bit scary too. Mm. Also, there's a lot of mantras. Plus, in a traditional kundalini yoga class as taught by Yogi Bhajan, the teacher's dressed in white. The teacher may or may not have some kind of wrapping or turban on the head um, they may sit on a the sheepskin. There's just this whole different environment that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be really off-putting for people too, because you walk in, you're like, is this some kind of cult? Like, <laughs> why am I here? Is this a religion? What's this strange language I'm now being asked to chant? And um ultimately I would just say um it's not a religion, it's 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 a practice. Mm. And um, I would just invite anybody to go in with an open mind just to see how do they feel when they leave. Yeah. Just to see that. Just give it a try. Do they feel better? Give it a try. As with any yoga class, try a few different approaches because different teachers approach it in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I know even in the vinyasa world when I started, I needed to find a teacher that I resonated with who presented the teachings in a way that could meet me where I was at. Mm -hmm. So also remembering that there's that as well. So you want to have some level of resonance with the person who is sharing it because that, that can be very inspiring when you're around a teacher who is able to invite you into the practice and to give you a glimpse of where the practice can take you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you mentioned before uh, self awakening and coming to your higher self. What does it mean when we talk about that serpent that's coiled? What does it mean to awaken that Kundalini?
1: There's so many different ways to <laughs> to speak about this. Um, I would just come back to that idea of what it really means is to is to awaken ourselves to the potential that we have within. Mm. Um, So many of us are are living from a habituated, conditioned place. We're conditioned by our families into what we think, how we believe, what we believe about things, what we believe about ourselves, about our limitations or not. We're conditioned by the culture around us. And the whole practice of yoga is about deconditioning ourselves and awakening the intelligence within Mm. so that we start to live from this spontaneous place of intuitive intelligence rather than I'm going to make this decision because it's what I've always made or it's what people say or, you know, so it's inviting us to awaken to a different, capacity within us. And Mm -hmm. that shows up in a myriad of ways in life. When I first started doing kundalini yoga, um, I did a practice that really moved energy at my navel center. And in one of the rests between exercises, I had this very profound shift where I sank into myself And things got pretty quiet. And I I just felt really good and centered and like, wow, oh, like that's what it feels like to be really in myself. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that was a level of awakening. Wow. You know, all the masks that I've been showing the world that I are who I think people want me to be, like that just all melted away. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, there was just a a recognition of of myself. And then the build started to come from there. Mm -hmm. My life started to transform because I began to make different choices, again, that weren't just based on trying to be what other people wanted me to be, but started to come from this inner place of just a sense of knowing what I wanted in that moment. Mm -hmm. And trusting that and then taking that on the stage to stage to stage, you know, day by day by day and gradually getting really comfortable in that place. And then it's a process of continuous refinement. Uh, So for me, what we're facing today in this world is uh, so much so much conditioning, so much uh, in the outer world um, that will pull us into a place of comparing ourselves to others or competition, um, comparison, all of that. And uh, anxiety that comes with that, self-doubt, sometimes depression because we feel helpless in the midst of the, the high demands of life. And so we really need practices that help us to cut through all of the traumas, you could call them, that have been happening in our lives and that give us that essential experience of of our higher nature, of our inner nature, of our soul, you could say. Mm. And then we can start to build a life around that inner core identity. And if we can collectively... Begin to do that in a holistic way in our lives, our whole experience as human beings is going to transform, and we're going to start to see uh, the kind of world that we all dream of living in, which you know, which involves more kindness, more compassion, more awareness. um, People feeling empowered to be themselves and um and then who's to who knows where things could transcend and shift to if we all are living from that place
0: Mm -hmm. yeah we can just imagine
1: or yeah yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) and
0: what does it mean to have a radiant body where does that come in
1: well, radiance is really an expression of that core inner identity. Radiance is an emanation from the very core of your being. It's it's just like the sun mm. radiates so strongly and feeds everything in its path. When we are really connected with that with our essential nature, then that inner radiance is felt by all those around us. Just for a moment, everybody who's listening, just bring somebody to your mind who you consider to be radiant. And then sense into what is it about that person that is so attractive to you? And... And then, so that, that is, radiance comes from that sense of, of inner authority, of um, stable self, of enlightened self. And in the yoga tradition, radiance is considered the byproduct of different levels of awakening. That the more we awaken to our essential nature, the more radiant we become. Like that, um, one of the definitions in yoga of pranayama, of breath work, is to dissolve the veils that cover the inner light. That inner light is, in essence, your inner sun that does emanate this like pure rays of consciousness. And what we're doing in the yoga practice is dissolving all that is veiling that essence of of ourself our highest consciousness and so that is your radiance the more work you do on yourself or the more you establish yourself in that inner place of contentment peace self self self-centeredness in the best sense of that word the more radiant you become and then and then you start to operate from a different place. You see, most of us in life are reaching outside of ourselves for what we think that we want. The yoga tradition teaches us to reach in, to shift the frequency of our energy, to elevate ourselves so that we become magnetic beings, so that all that we are inherently um, yearning for becomes attracted to us. We don't have to reach outside of ourselves. So in my experience, my own personal experience and watching thousands of students um, go through these practices, when you start to shift your frequency and you start to stabilize yourself in a higher frequency, life becomes very abundant. Mm. Things start to flow. It's like you step in the flow. And there's an effortlessness to it, and there's there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of um, feeling of prosperity that comes with it, and being in the flow, meaning that uh, we become more spontaneous. You feel a desire to manifest something. Opportunities flow to you, and you start to uh, the creation starts to happen rather than reaching outside and feeling like you have to swim upstream to make things happen. So really, that's the difference here. Mm-hmm. The real work that we do is on ourselves and shifting our energy, watching where we're getting caught in negative thought patterns, shifting that and opening ourselves to the natural like flow of abundance that comes from around us.
0: hmm And talking about that real work you just mentioned, if people are sold at this point and they're like, okay, I want this in my life, they know they can go to class. But what are some of the key responsibilities as a yogi if you want spiritual transformation? Like what's the real tangible work of awakening?
1: Um, It's taking 100% Hmm. self-responsibility. Nothing is anybody else's fault. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Sure, some of us um, have unbelievable trauma that happens before we're able to make conscious decisions ourselves. However, the yoga tradition says that the moment you are able to take conscious decisions yourself, you have to become 100% responsible for yourself, Um, that that is the road to healing. We can't wait for somebody else to heal or somebody else to heal us. We have to accept that for whatever reason, we incurred X, X and X trauma in our life. And we can either sit in the seat of the victim and feel like life dealt us such a bad blow. And how am I ever going to get out of this? And it's everybody else's fault that I'm this way. Or what the yoga tradition says is recognize that there is a light within you that there is a core identity within you that remains untouched no matter what traumas you may have physically, emotionally, mentally endured in your life. Tune into that core identity, start to rebuild yourself from that place and take 100% responsibility for your life so that you're the one who's in charge to make the changes necessary to to walk up the ladder and take yourself out of the vibration, the frequency of the victim and place yourself firmly in the seat of power. And then you'll be in the position to help and serve those around you who may also have incurred uh, trauma and pain and suffering and may not yet know the way out of it. And so that's really part of, mm-hmm. in essence, the the path here. It's that one hundred percent self responsibility. Um, because in my own experience, the moment you just, you make that choice, it's like when people go to AA, like they they've taken their drug of choice all the way they possibly can until finally they have to surrender mm. and start to take complete radical self-responsibility and to rebuild from that place. That's in essence, the same thing we're doing in the yoga tradition. Maybe we don't have to go to a bottom where our life's at stake um, in the way many people do when they uh, really take the addictive path. Um, But maybe we've taken an avoidant path and we just checked out of life and we're just going through the motions and wow, what a waste, what a waste of potential. And so just to recognize I have the power and so do practices that help you to ignite that inner fire that starts to give you the vitality and the strength to break some of the self-limiting identities that you may have and begin to cultivate and live the life of your dreams, literally because That's the inherent promise in the yoga tradition, that that's what's possible. Forget the idea of even enlightenment and whatever that means, because that seems like such a faraway goal. The true enlightenment is to become a light to ourselves and become a light to the world. and Mm. That's possible when we take full self-responsibility and when we engage in practices that build our vitality and start to renew us from the inside out.
0: Was there a moment in your life where you can remember that at that point you decided to take full responsibility, like you mentioned traumas and avoidance? And I remember you also mentioned in the training how pain and suffering helps us turn in, and they also are sometimes a starting point for awakening in our life. Do you know if there was such a moment for you?
1: Um... There was no one definitive moment. I've had a number of decisions that I've made that have led me ever deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I took yoga teacher training because a teacher of mine said to me one day, he said, you know, Kia, when life got in the way of yoga, I made yoga my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was a definitive moment. I was like, ah. I need to do that. Then there was, you know, just a little moment of of making that decision that I am not going to, I'm not going to lie in my life. Like even it's like the little lies. Somebody asks you to go out to something and you say, oh no, I'm already busy or <laughs> I have a call with my mother. It was like, well, no, um, that just doesn't feel in alignment with where I'm at right now, but I'd love to see you another time. You know, just just to take that kind of responsibility that I'm going to, I'm going to be very clear about what I say to people. And I'm going to choose not to engage in untruths mm. as much as possible. Like, so for me, it's been a, a many of those little circum, little decisions mm-hmm. that really have a profound shift. Um, you know, and then of course the, the the same thing in relationship when you're in long-term relationship, whether either a uh, um, an intimate partner or in any of your other long-term relationships, you have to um, you have to make certain decisions around communication and staying relevant and staying present and not sweeping things under the carpet. Like all of those little decisions have helped me enormously mm-hmm. as well because it keeps things it keeps things current it it allows one to live in a way where you're not collecting a bunch of resentments mm. and um and it's freeing and and what comes with it is just an inherent trust in you know life's got my back this creative force of the universe has my back and if i can stay as honest with myself and everybody else as possible then I just trust that in staying in that place of radical self-honesty, that life is going to uh, keep providing. That I will, that I will uh, continue to evolve and grow. The moment that I, the moment that I choose um, dishonesty or uh, anything on that on that level. I am stunting my growth in some small or maybe profound way. So it's little decisions like that that have really shaped my life, Mm -hmm. Um, I could say. yeah. Do
0: you think when people move out of feeling victimized, they have more access to discipline, commitment, love, devotion, all of those things that might fire their practice as well or fuel their practice?
1: a hundred percent and what i would say is what's vital on this path is to get around a community of people who are who are as interest in interested in in growth and self-evolution and living a a, a happy fulfilled life as you are because um, we need support in the beginning um mm-hmm. as we're as we're building a personal practice as we're you know, starting to to face the uncomfortable parts of ourselves, we we need support. We need community because for, for me, com- community and teachers have have been uh, the ticket. Like the support of community, um, the guidance of teachers uh, that that's been the nectar um, of my of my life, and what's allowed me to to face the really uncomfortable moments where it would just be easier to turn away and do what I've always done but no uh, with the support of community with the guidance of teachers i I've been able to move through those moments
0: mm. so do you think the recipe is really community teachers and that everyday satna
1: yes 100 percent yeah
0: so that's how we would like maintain that radiance and keep it. Go in with us.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Why is it so important to do that satna, that personal practice in the morning?
1: Well, um, versus you know, any ag- time during Again, the day. it was early in my life I, because I, I was an Ashtanga practitioner and I would do the four o'clock class. And then somebody made the, the point to me, which really resonated. It's like you can do the practice to shift the energy of your day before you go to sleep or you can do the practice in the morning to set the tone of your day. Mm. And the, the, that became more interesting to me because Yogi Bhajan said once, you know, it's the difference between fate and destiny. Fate, you just roll out of bed and you go with the punches of the day, and do the best you can to navigate what life throws at you. Or destiny, you get out of bed, you set your frequency for the day. And so you know that you're going to be attracting things at that frequency that you've set for yourself. And now, now you've changed what life is bringing you in a subtle way, or you've changed your ability to respond to what life is bringing you because you've elevated yourself. You've given yourself more neutrality at the beginning of the day. So if somebody really agitates or annoys you, you are going to be less reactive, and a little more neutral and responsive, and and all of those moments in life start to shape and change who we are and how we are, and um, and that's the to me the true process of evolution. It's not that one day a lightning bolt comes down and and strikes you through the crown of the head, mm-hmm. and you know, bing, suddenly you're radiant and you're awake and you're luminous and you're some saint. It's it's just it's a little bit every day yeah you know <laughs> and so that practice in the morning is the is the definer i find for the rest of the day
0: you mentioned the impacts of that elevated energy do you know the biology behind it like what's happening exactly in our body for us to feel differently
1: Um, Yes. Well, depending on the practice you do, but if you do like an energetically vigorous practice, um, you are setting and balancing your nervous system for one. You are changing the blood chemistry. You're changing the uh, secretions of hormones, which immediately shifts your perspective. You are moving energy from a stagnant state where it tends to be have a heavy, inert quality to it, you're moving it to an enlivened and expansive state. Where we immediately we feel more expansive, we feel more connected, less separate, and so there's that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you're affecting your digestion to you know keep that channel flowing. You're affecting your circulation. You're affecting um, the uh, capacity of your lungs. Um, you're affecting the frequency of your mind. There's so much going on. And Yogi Bhajan spoke a lot about the different body systems and how you are stimulating them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's an incredible science when mm-hmm. you get down to it.
0: Yeah. I'd be curious to learn more about that. I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so much information, but we still just kind of scratched the surface. Where can people turn if they want to know more, if they want to look into this more, if they want to know about you, about the practice in general? Do you have like good references or book suggestions or anything like
1: that? 100%. Well, if anyone's interested in what I do, I, I have what I call Radiant Body Yoga, which is just a methodology um, or an approach to what I've been describing that I have found has mm-hmm. worked for me and many others in that I bring a, a more vigorous kind of vinyasa-style warm-up into these practice of Kriyas and meditations um, that we do.
0: And I'll put links for people for to find Wonderful. you for
1: sure. So mm-hmm. you can find that information about me on my website, kiamila.com. And then I would just encourage people to um, to start to research about kundalini to start to research um uh the 3ho organization and um the healthy happy holy organization that yogi bhajan set up which mm-hmm. has a lot of events and there's um possibilities to get involved in kundalini and your area mm. um, And remembering that there's different styles of kundalini. So, you know, just doing some research, asking out around about it in your local studios, um, finding teachers who have a little bit uh, broader approach that could be inclusive of pranayama and mantra practices, I think is really um, helpful if you want to kind of speed up this process of evolution. Mm -hmm. And um there's, there's a number of great books. Um, there's a book called Prana and Pranayama, which is actually a prerequisite for one of my courses called Prana and Pranayama. And uh, that book really start, uh, lays out a lot of the, the subtle body um, information that happened that is helpful um, for understanding the yogic perspective of the human being. And um, I would recommend, um, yeah, that yeah. people just start to do research. The great thing about today's world is that um, there's so much information available online. Um, I would encourage that you go to some reliable sources. So, um, you know, make yeah. sure it's a reliable source versus just somebody's opinion. Um, a reliable source is somebody who has got some kind of connection to the original practices of yoga the original yogic texts versus you know the myriad of opinions that people have about things these days uh, so if that makes sense that, that's what has been, always been so um, very well translated to me uh, in teachers is that you you just want to make sure that Whoever you're trusting the information from is coming from a reliable place. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, great um, advice. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Anything else you want to add up before we wrap it up?
1: Oh, I think that was that was a lot. I would just um,
0: <laughs> just sit with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would just sit with it, and uh, and th- these are extraordinary times, and uh, change can happen really quickly if we just have the powerful intention and commitment to it. I would just say that, that whatever that changes that you're seeking is, is really right around the corner. It just requires your attention. There's no greater gift that we can give ourselves than the gift of, of our own, uh, desire to break free from the places that we've limited ourselves. And, uh, there's to dedicate our lives to that transformation and growth uh, because there's an abundance on on the other side of that. Um, that is That is really beautiful. Yeah.
0: Mm. Wow. Great way to finish. Mm. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm so glad we could connect on this.
1: Oh, it was just a pleasure. So nice to hear your voice again. And <laughs> I'm so happy we got that time together in India.
0: Yes, it was great. Thank you so much again.
1: (laughs) Okay, bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited with our 2019 lineup, so make sure to subscribe. Now, if you want to make my day, you want to help other people find this podcast, or you want your chance to win a $75 shop cart from Atleta, all you have to do is head on to iTunes or on the podcast app of your iPhone and click write a review. As you leave your review, you automatically enter the giveaway, and I announce the winner on the next episode. There's nothing more for you to do. And if you're newer to reviews, you can check out the show notes for detailed instructions or to find more info about our guest of today. Or you can also visit my website, ericabelanger.com blog dash podcast, and you'll also find there links for my upcoming events. The Hips Don't Lie workshop is now sold out, but there's still space in my Roll, Renew and Relax workshop. It's an in-depth look at practices of deep relaxation through self-massage, breath work and yoga nidra. And it's happening on Saturday, May 11th, so that's the weekend of Mother's Day. So maybe it's a good idea as a gift for your mom or the mother of your children. Now, I also just added a new offering, a one-day yoga retreat in Lagunitas, California. So you get a full day of yoga with me, two yoga classes, outside on a deck in the middle of a beautiful redwood forest. You get a delicious catered lunch and time so you can go on a hike, hang out by the pool sauna or hot tub, or deepen your relationship with the community. And that will be happening on June 16. So check out the website for more details about that or to register. So coming back to our giveaway, our last episode was also supported by Atletta. Thank you so much if you left a review. The winner of that giveaway was user MaddieRose16 from iTunes, and she wrote, Happy I found this podcast. I love Erica's choice of guests, and Erica too, of course. Smiley face. I'm constantly looking for ways to dive deeper in my yoga practice and stay educated, and this podcast is great for that. I listen during my work commute. Looking forward to listening to the old episodes I haven't gotten to yet and hearing the new ones. Thanks, Erica. Well, thank you, Maddie Rose 16 for that comment. Please just email me at erica.belanger at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram and I'll be happy to send you your shop cards. Now, before we go, I just want to say thank you to Alexander Saba working in the background of this podcast, creating the music, editing, and mastering. On that note, thank you again for joining us. And until next time.